Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, May 8th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Twenty-eight days. Twenty-eight days. That's how long it took to add another $1 trillion to the national debt. Just think back to April 7th. The debt pushed above $24 trillion on that day. Last Tuesday, it eclipsed $25 trillion. And you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. I didn't see any big headlines. There were no lead news stories. You know why? Because the federal government spending trillions of dollars, that's the new normal. It's just not a big not a big deal. I got to say, the new normal, I think it's going to kind of blow. Anyway, you know, it's impossible to grasp just how big these numbers are. Consider that the debt is growing at an average of about $1.2 million per minute. Every single day, Uncle Sam goes another $1.7 billion in hawk. According to the National Debt Clock, the debt-to-GDP ratio has risen to over 117%. As I've talked about before, debt retards economic growth. Studies have shown that a debt-to-GDP ratio over 90% lowers economic growth by about 30%. I'll link to an article about that in the show notes page. So anyway, a as big as $25 trillion sounds, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Earlier this week, the U.S. Treasury Department announced plans to borrow $2.99 trillion just in the second quarter alone. The Treasury also plans to borrow another $677 billion in the July to September quarter. That would bring the total fiscal 2020 budget deficit to a projected $4.48 trillion. Given those numbers, the national debt will end fiscal 2020 at over $28 trillion. Now, you know, President Trump has actually said that he plans to address the national debt if he's reelected. He didn't give us any kind of solid plan, but he did say that the growing debt, quote, bothers him. It appears the plan is actually to kick the can down the road by issuing longer-term treasuries at the low 0% interest rates. Trump said, quote, we're putting in, we're replacing debt with really long-term good debt, zero, you know, which is a beautiful thing. He said that in a radio interview. But who the heck is going to buy long-term bonds with no yield? I wrote an article this week about just what a big mess we have in the bond market. It's the mother of all bubbles still waiting to pop. I'll link to that in the show notes page as well. But, you know, this doesn't even address the real issue. Trump doesn't have a financing problem. He has a spending problem. And he had a spending problem before coronavirus even showed up. The federal government has run deficits over $1 trillion in four fiscal years in all of history. Those were all during the Great Recession. The fifth trillion dollar deficit was coming down the pike this year before the massive stimulus spending in response to the pandemic. In effect, the federal government was already engaged in fiscal stimulus, despite what Trump kept calling the greatest economy in the history of America. The deficit featured numbers you would expect to see during a massive economic slowdown before coronavirus. Response to the pandemic is just putting spending and debt into hyperdrive. 
Of course, the president has promised to deal with the debt before. Remember during the campaign? He said he could pay down the debt fairly quickly. The government then proceeded to increase the debt by another $2 trillion over the first two years of his term. So forgive my skepticism when I say that Trump ain't dealing with the debt anytime soon. In fact, Congress is already looking at the next stimulus bill, and I bet you the president signs it. But make no mistake, we will pay for this, if not us, our kids and our grandkids and heck, generations to come. Borrowed money has to be paid back. We are effectively taking future productivity and spending it now. There are only two ways to pay off government debt. You're either going to have to have higher taxes or inflation, which is simply going to further erode your purchasing power. I would expect both. But now all of this is good for gold. I ran across some interesting technical analysis this morning when I was prepping for the show. Jeff DeGroff, who is the founder of Renaissance Macro, he said a rise in outstanding U.S. debt issuance year over year tracks very closely to forward returns for gold. He has a chart. It shows that the average six-month return for gold when year-over-year growth in U.S. debt issuance hits the 90th percentile is 13%, with the yellow metal rising in 39 out of 43 instances going all the way back to 1984. So that's 79% of the time when we have a big increase in the national debt, we also have an increase in returns for gold. So not only is the massive money printing by the Fed bullish for gold, so is all of this government fiscal policy. So speaking of the yellow metal, it's up around 1735 as I record the show, but it looked to be on a downward trend this morning, and stock futures were up because of news that the U.S. and China have made some trade agreements or something. Yeah, that old song and dance again. But you know, anyway, looking back over the week, gold took a similar trajectory this week as it did last week. It was down early due to headwinds from a strong dollar and this consistently unwarranted optimism that the economy is going to be opening up and then, you know, being fine. Uh, but gold rallied yesterday when financial markets started pricing in negative U.S. interest rates. Now, Jerome Powell said repeatedly the U.S. Central Bank isn't going to go there. We're not going to have negative rates in the U.S. But the Fed's fund futures beg to differ. They have started pricing in a slightly negative interest rate environment beginning in December, which you know kind of is an indication that we're not looking for a fast recovery if we're talking about negative interest rates at the end of the year. Now, keep in mind, again, Jerome Powell said, no, 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 the Fed's not going to do negative interest rates. But the Fed has a long history of saying it's doing one thing and then actually doing the exact opposite. Remember when, when balance sheet reduction was on autopilot or when the Fed was committed to normalizing interest rates? And then we had a pause in rate increases. But we were assured it was just a pause. That is, until the Fed cut rates three times last year. So when Powell says they won't go negative, I hear, yeah, we might go negative. And that's how the markets apparently are thinking, too. So that's why we had a uh, jump in the price of gold late this week. So here's a question for you. Just how much stock market can the Fed buy? Because it's buying a heck of a lot of stock market right now. The markets have completely disconnected from economic reality. You know, yesterday we got another round of employment data. 3.17 million Americans filed for unemployment last week, bringing the seven-week total to 33.5 million people. That's 20.55% of the total civilian labor force. 
Here's a little historical perspective for you. The U.S. economy has never lost more than 2 million jobs in a single month. You know, these are staggering numbers, and they almost certainly understate just how bad the job situation is. And so yesterday, naturally, the stock market rallied, right? The Dow was up 211 points. In fact, this has been the trend. The stock market rallies when we get these bad employment data. Uh, you know, it be interesting to see what it does today. It just goes to show the markets are responding to what the Fed is doing and not the actual economic dynamics, which are absolutely dismal. We'll see just how bad the labor market is today when we get the non-payroll data from the Department of Labor this morning. The numbers I've seen bandied about is about 16% unemployment. Uh, you know, Whatever the number the government gives us, you can bet your work boots that the actual situation is even worse. But you know, despite all of the awful economic data we get pretty much on a daily basis, I'm still hearing a lot of people say, you know, we turn the economy off, we can just turn it back on again, as if flipping the magic switch is going to return things to normal. And, you know, maybe it will in a sense. We keep hearing about the new normal. We're told we have to get used to the new normal. You know what the new normal is when it comes to the economy? The new normal is unemployment, government borrowing, Fed stimulus, low growth, and inflation. Like I said, the new normal blows. And it's implausible that the powers that be can reverse all of this and get us back to the old normal. You know, they're still pretending like they can, like Trump saying he's going to address the national debt if he's reelected. Or how about Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarita? He claims that the central bank will withdraw and remove all of the excesses that it's injecting into the economy once we get through this emergency. After all, the Fed is supporting the economy right now in this crisis. By supporting the economy, he means creating trillions of dollars out of thin air. How the heck does that support the economy? It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't put people to work. It just gives people money to spend on goods and services that don't exist because nobody is actually working. I mean, yeah, the Fed is supporting the bubble. It's supporting the stock market. It's artificially suppressing interest rates so that we can take on more debt, so the government can take on more debt, and it's creating money, in effect, robbing people of their purchasing power through inflation and allowing the government to spend that stolen purchasing power into the economy. But does that really support the economy? No. It keeps the bubble inflated while further distorting the real economy. Now, Clarita. He said the Fed will pull all this back when things get back to normal. I don't know if he means the old normal or the new normal, but, you know, regardless, where have we heard this song and dance before? Oh, yeah, 2008. Remember when the Fed launched quantitative easing early in the financial crisis? Ben Bernanke told Congress it was temporary. He insisted that the central bank was not monetizing the debt. He swore the Fed would sell off all of the bonds that it was adding to the balance sheet. And it never happened. I mean, they did give it the good old college try. But when they really started pushing for normalization in 2018, when they started raising rates in earnest and actually shrinking the balance sheet, the stock market tanked. Remember the fall of 2018? It got pretty ugly on Wall Street. So we got the Powell pause. Interest rate hikes were put on hold. Balance sheet reduction was put on hold. And by the end of last year, we had three rate cuts and we were already back to quantitative easing. That was before coronavirus. We were doing this policy, Clarita says he's going to reverse after the emergency. We were doing it before the emergency. 
This is the new normal. Artificially low interest rates and money printing. Inflation. That's the new normal. They can't reverse this. No way. As soon as they even hint at it, the markets are going to tank. The house of cards will all blow down. Peter Schiff has long used the drug addict analogy to describe the relationship between the Fed and the economy. The easy money is the drug. The Fed has hooked the economy on its heroin. And when somebody is hooked on drugs, you can't just take the drugs away. They go into withdrawal, right? They get really, really sick. Getting an addict off drugs is a long, painful process. It's easier to just keep giving them the drug so they don't have to suffer the pain. But it takes more and more drug to get the high, right? And at some point, the addict ODs and dies. So when the Fed comes in with all of this cheap money, it can never take the cheap money away. The addict needs the drug. So there are two scenarios here. Keep pumping the drugs into the addict's veins and risk the overdose. That's inflation, maybe even hyperinflation. Or cut off the drug and let the addict suffer through the pain of withdrawal. That would be really painful, but ultimately better in the long run. But politicians and bureaucrats have a really short time horizon. Pain is to be avoided at all costs. So I'd put my money on keeping the drugs flowing. Of course, that's going to have ramifications on your own economic well-being and your own wealth. You need to be prepared for the new normal. A shift called precious metal specialist can help you do just that. They can look at your portfolio. They can look at your individual situation and see how precious metals can help you prepare for the new normal that is coming down the pike. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com. Also, don't forget about silver. I told you last week, silver is on sale. We still have this incredibly big silver-gold ratio spread. Silver's never been this cheap in 5,000 years. The Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist can also tell you how you can take advantage of this, what is in effect silver on sale. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on Stitcher or on Google Play and get them downloaded right to your podcast listening device. Or you can just listen over at the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to all of this stuff over on the show notes page, as well as links to all of our social media platforms. That includes Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Appreciate you listening to the show. Hope you have a great week, and I'll talk to you next time.